This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. Glad to be here uh, during fake spring in central Iowa. Monday's high is going to be 72 degrees in central Iowa, right here in Des Moines. Ridiculous. My name is Mike Wicket. That is Kira. Kira, what are you planning on doing during fake spring this weekend? Uh, you going outside? You're going to stay inside. I should probably get started on my garden. Right? I should probably, all the sticks and everything yeah. in the trees. Like, we but, had a tree fall in our front yard. You know, that means a million sticks. We had somebody come clean up a big tree in our backyard, so there's another million sticks. Uh, but do you follow our good buddy, Jason Sudeiko, on Facebook? Uh, my best friend in the world, Jason Sudeiko. The Des Moines, Des Moines weatherman <laughs> is my best friend, all right? Uh, he might have some interesting news for you. What's that? Uh, it's supposed to get cold again. We might get more snow. No, winter's over. What do you, winter is over. Winter is done. Baseball teams are reporting. Pitchers and catchers. Now the, the full full camps are open down in Florida and Arizona. We're, what, uh, should you do the math here? Like a month away from Cubs season here on ESPN Des Moines. It's going to be great. Baseball season finally here, which means... We got got to get the draft coming up, the NFL draft. You got the NBA playoffs, and we're like 178 days until college football starts. So, but who's counting, right? Yes, I already miss football. I do. Oh, I I still miss it. I mean, we had the Super Bowl what a uh, week and a half ago. Chiefs fans went through a whole lot last week. We talked about that on last week's show, and then all of a sudden, we're going to get to this quarterback roulette is beginning. Get ready for all of it. And I've got all the quarterbacks that could potentially be on the move. Uh, The list is long. The list is growing. And there are a lot of quarterbacks that, you know, depends on who your team is. Could be looking to fill that spot. It's up to Marcus and Terry who are watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Appreciate you. Hello. Um, I'm going to start with this before we get to football. So I went on a whole diatribe last week about why Peacock sucks and why putting Big Ten sports on Peacock is a terrible idea. Uh, If you have Peacock and you watch it a lot, you are part of the 6% of a poll question I I ran last week. Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Wicket, two Ts. Um, I asked, how much do you watch Peacock? And overwhelming, the majority is never, don't have it, all right? I think Peacock got to the game so late that it's going to struggle to maintain with Netflix and Hulu unless it gets bought out or combined with something. And that's starting to happen, too. We're starting to see all these TV, uh, all these streaming services starting to collaborate with each other and come together. Like, I think, isn't Disney, Hulu, ESPN+, and then there's something else that's going to start to join up. And then I saw Paramount is going to merge with something. I don't know. I'm confused. We should put it all together and call it Cable. That'd be a good idea where we can get all the services, all the channels, all the shows by hitting one button, right? Follow me for these brilliant ideas, Kara. I am here for you. But that being said, last night's uh, Iowa women's basketball game, the great Caitlin Clark hid behind a paywall unless you have Peacock, and I don't know anyone who has Peacock. I know one person who has Peacock, my buddy Bart, who lives up in uh, Wisconsin. Other than that, I don't know anybody who has Peacock. Kira, Peacock? Nope, no. 
course not. Who has time to watch TV? You know how much TV, how much episodic television I actually watch in a week? My wife and I get one hour every night. That's it. And last night, we didn't even get that because the kids wouldn't go to bed. We both fought with the kids like we have three. So we're outnumbered no matter what we do. And either one of us takes the oldest and the other one takes the twins, vice versa. We're outnumbered. But by the time we get done with them, hopefully by 8, we get downstairs, make dinner. Didn't do any of that last night. Got down at 8.30. We're both like, eh, going to bed. So we didn't even get to watch our show. We're watching The Man in the High Castle. You ever seen it? Do you like that show, Kara? Oh, your eyes got real wide. It's it's heavy. Like, we're on season one. Now, three years ago, I started watching it when it first came out, right? We started watching mm-hmm. The Man in the High Castle. It's on Prime. I'll get to Caitlin Clark in a second. <laughs> And after it was at a time in my life when I was watching too much stuff. Mm. You ever get to that point where you're watching something, two shows on Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, something on Prime. You're waiting for the new Handmaid's Tale to you come out. Like you're, an Excel sheet. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> to I, keep it I, all straight. I had to trim some fat. I had to get rid of some stuff, and I gave up the Man in the High Castle. My wife continued to watch like three episodes of the show without me, mm. and so I didn't watch it. And then a buddy of mine named Wade, he said, I, I just started watching this show. My wife and I just got done with it. It's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, and if you don't know, the premise of The Man in the High Castle is if we lost World War II and the United States was run, the Rockies East was Nazi Germany and to the West was the Japanese. That was, And, and there's a lot more that goes into it. There's some tapes, some propaganda. And I've been watching the first eight episodes and been like, okay, this is good. There's the storyline. We're developing characters about this guy and that guy and that guy's son and all this kind of stuff. And then the last episode was the first time in a while my wife and I, episode nine was was the episode. We looked at each other when it got done. The cliffhanger ending, you know, that they always, we got done. We're like, what, what is he doing? What is that? And then it goes dark. And then at that point, it's 930 and my wife and I go to bed. Because I get up for my normal job, like I do this on Fridays, my normal gig is to do mornings on Laser 103.3, so I'm up at 4. So I can't stay up till 10, 11 o'clock. Like last night, I watched the first eight minutes of Warriors-Lakers. I never get to see Steph Curry play unless he's playing on the East Coast. But I got to watch eight minutes of Steph, and then I got to go to bed. That's just the way life is. So I don't get to watch a whole lot of episodic TV. And to me, there's no reason to have Peacock. Well, back to Caitlin Clark. (laughs) You were going to say something. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to tell you, uh, you know, if you if you can't wait for another season, it's based on a book. I ain't got time to read. (laughs) Who's got time? I don't have time to watch shows. You think I've got time to read books? Kira. Ain't nobody got time for your books. All right. I got one hour a night sit there while my wife scrolls her phone and plays Candy Crush, and I'm over here drinking a White Claw, watching a show called The Man in the High Castle. Who's got time to read books? Book schmucks. Anyway, back to Caitlin Clark. Iowa got housed last night, all right? Uh, fresh off the last game, the last time we saw Caitlin Clark play, she uh, you know, she's dropping casually. 49 points, 13 dimes, breaking Kelsey Plum's NCAA scoring record on the way to being number one. And I said on this show, Kira, you can find the tape if you want. I said, that's awesome. It's amazing. I've been shouting from the rooftops along with most people in this state just about how great Caitlin Clark is. Best female basketball player ever. And she's going to be better when we get to the pros. And last night was evidence of why 
I think being physical, um, you know, face guarding me, denying the ball, threw a lot of different people at me. Very physical. I think that was the, that was the main thing and kind of pushed me off my spots, got me out a little deeper than I wanted to be and threw a little boxing one at us. Ah. Played mostly man to man, but uh, yeah, I'd say just physicality and denying me the ball. So that was Caitlin after last night's game. She had 24 in the loss. 24 is a great night for almost every female player in the country. Okay, so there are thousands of women's basketball players in college basketball in, in the NCAA. Kara, do you want to take a guess at how many of the hundreds or thousands of players that she scored 24 last night, which is like her second lowest output of the year. How many women in college basketball average at least 24 points per game? Uh, who's who's her biggest rival right now? Uh, Angel Reese. Probably just her. No, Angel doesn't average 24. Mm-mm. She averages less than 20. Oh. Yeah. The answer is two. There are two women in college basketball that score 24 a night. Caitlin's one of them, and the other is Juju Watkins, the, the star at USC. That's it. It's amazing when you say Caitlin Clark was held in check and she went off for 24, which would be top three in scoring in college basketball right now if it was just her loan, and that was her average, right? But she did get bodied last night. She got pushed off of her mark. She scored 20 in the first half, and she scored four in the second half. You know why? Because she mentioned it. They threw a box and one at her. Now, if you don't know a box and one, basically four defenders on the corners of the key on the inside, and then there's the chaser. And the chaser's job is to literally chase Caitlin Clark when Iowa has the ball. You follow her around. You put a hand between the ball and Caitlin, and you try to disrupt any ball getting to her. And you make the passers hesitate to throw her the ball. And should they pass the ball, your hand is there to either deflect it, distract it, and hopefully keep it out of Caitlin Clark's hands. Steph Curry went through this in 2006, 7, and 8 when he was at Davidson because Steph Curry was the only player that mattered on Davidson. And with all due respect to Gabby Marshall and everybody else on that squad, the only player that matters on Iowa's roster is Caitlin Clark. And Indiana knew it. And Lisa Bluter, Lisa Bluter was asked about what has to happen if they're going to win games like this when Caitlin is taken off the floor. Gabby Marshall is one for two from three. I'd take that any day, uh, but she's got to have more than two shots. I mean, she shot 50% from three-point range. So uh. that's pretty good. Um, you know, we need to get her the ball more, you know. We had other people shoot the ball well. Addison O'Grady was 60%. Uh, Sydney was 66%. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's... You need other players to score. I have maintained for the last two years, and this is including last year's team that got to the national championship. If Caitlin Clark doesn't have 35, Iowa can't win. All right? Unless something extraordinarily happens. All right? Iowa's not getting back to the national championship game if teams play her and this team like Indiana did yesterday. You know, Bluter was asked, too. I don't have the soundbite because it was a one-word answer. And they said, did Indiana play defense tonight or last night the same way they did the last time you saw them? Bluter just gave a one-word answer. No. It was very different. Because, again, you don't play her zone. She's going to shoot over the top of you. Don't play her man. She's going to take you off the dribble. 
This goes back to what I said last week. Caitlin Clark is going to be a better pro than a college player. And she's the greatest college player ever, in my opinion. You're not going to see box and ones in the, in the WNBA. She's not going to have to play against and run through four defenders just to try to find open space. You know why? Because other players on that Indiana Fever team, and she's going to go to the Indiana Fever number one, other players on that Indiana Fever team know how to score the basketball. You're not going to face junk like a triangle and two or a box and one where they're just deny, 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 deny because while Indiana stunk last year, and there's a reason why they have the number one pick two straight years. Now, I don't know anything about Indiana Fever basketball, but I got to imagine they were pretty bad in the last two years. They still have got women who knew how to play in college, got drafted. They had the number one pick in last year's draft. They're going to have the number one pick in this year's draft. Caitlin Clark will be better. Again, it was evident last night if you saw this one. And they kept on fighting, kept on fighting. And Clark said, look, we didn't quit. Honestly, like, I give our girls a lot of credit. I thought we fought. You know, nobody ever gave up or, and hung our heads. And this is a great environment to come and play basketball. Their crowd is incredible. It's fun to play basketball here. And once you get down, you kind of just got to start taking some shots that maybe you wouldn't really take necessarily. And I thought we maybe could have drove to the basket, basket a little bit more. I wouldn't say we're really, you know, a team that plays from behind very much, but I will give us some credit. I thought we, you know, we kept battling, especially when they started the third quarter pretty well. We kind of came back. I think we cut it to eight was the closest we got it. And, you know, you got to give credit to our girls. Like, I thought we just fought, but they always responded and had an answer. Indiana's good, too. I mean, Indiana, by the way, the last game they played before the game against Iowa last night, they lost to a 12-12 and Illinois team, a pretty mediocre Illinois team. So you knew Indiana, who was ranked who's, I think, second now in the Big Ten. You knew they had a lot of pride. They were going to come out fighting, and here comes Caitlin Clark, the star of the show. They were going to do whatever it took to win. And that kind of defense, you heard her say, we should have drove to the basket more. When teams are sitting back in zone, you have a tendency to say, oh, I've got a few extra feet here. I'm going to pop from the outside. Well, if you're not hitting from the outside, those threes, long rebounds go the underway, and it's a five-point swing. And that was a lot of what we saw last night from the Iowa Hawkeyes. Again, if teams watch what Indiana did, playing a box and one, especially in that second half, and you can take Caitlin Clark out of games, and out of games means she still scored 24, but if you can take Caitlin Clark out of a game, Iowa's not going to beat you. The rest of that team is just not going to beat you. And I do love her passion. Remember the, the famous, she's, you know, the you can't see me, and then Angel Reese mocked her in the national championship game. She apparently got in a little bit of a junk talk situation with the Indiana bench there in the second quarter. Basketball's competitive. That's what it's all about. You know, I think IU does a tremendous job. Their coaches do a tremendous job, and that's what makes basketball fun. You know, Terry said some very nice things to me after the game, and I have nothing but respect for their program and what she's been able to do here and the players that she's been able to develop. Um, I played a lot of, against a, re- a lot of really good IU players, so, you know, I have all, all the respect in the world for them. Yeah, and, and again, Indiana, there are three games left now for Iowa. They've got Illinois is in there. They've got, I can't remember where they play next, Illinois. And then they've got the finale of the regular season at Carver Hawkeye Arena against number two Ohio State. That's going to be an incredible game. And if teams are smart, they'll watch what Indiana did. They'll start running a box and one and take her out of games. It's up to Bluter to figure out how to beat it. It's up to the rest of that staff, that team, to uh, figure out how to make shots when Caitlin Clark isn't going off for 35. Because if she scores 24 in round two of the NCAA tournament, Iowa's going down. If she scores 24 in the Sweet 16, Iowa's going down. 
And there is no way Iowa's beating LSU or South Carolina should they get to the Final Four if Caitlin Clark only gets you 24. We've been begging for it for the last two years since Caitlin Clark has become the phenomenon that she is. Somebody else has to score for Iowa to advance. And as we've seen this year, as goes Caitlin Clark, so go the Hawkeyes. Coming up, the biggest story in the National Football League didn't happen on a field that happened on Instagram. We'll get to that story from this week next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. One zero two one FM and thirteen fifty ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Hello, if you're watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, follow us and on Twitter at ESPN DSM. All I know is we got a lot of basketball coming up between Drake men and Drake women. Are both teams still in first place in their respective conferences? They're the only school in the country to have the first place conference first place teams in both men's and women's basketball. How about that? How about that for the dogs? The uh, Arch Madness Tournament is coming up in a couple of weeks down in St. Louis. Uh, I'll get to some quarterback roulette in a bit. And also, if you were mad at the NFL because they put a playoff game behind a paywall, get ready to be mad again. I'll explain in a bit. The biggest story in the National Football League, because it's always NFL season, and right now we need something to get us to the draft. And I've already done three mock drafts for the Green Bay Packers so far. Kira thought it was insane that one of the guys from the uh, the Star Morning Show, Kurt, who's also a Packers fan, he and I were talking about our mock drafts. That might be worse than talking about your fantasy football team. No, no. You're you're burying the lead here. What? Explain explain this magical website. Oh, yeah. Pro Football Focus has a mock draft simulator. You can pick your team and draft seven rounds worth, and then the, they actually the computer program generates trades. Like they'll, you're like, you have a trade offer. So if you're the Packers and you, before your pick comes up, you'll get a, an offer from like, say the lions for, if you have pick 25, they'll give you pick 41 and a pick next year. So you, you, <laughs> it's so nerdy and great. And I will do 50 mock drafts before we get to the draft coming up uh, in April. I have to imagine, like, there, the amount of clicks on that site must be dormant <laughs> from by from after the day the day of the draft has begun, basically, till after the Super Bowl, because now it's all about mocks, it's all about trades, it's all about the draft, and you know who holds the keys to everything right now? The Chicago Bears. Bear down. They're back at the top of the draft. They traded away the first-round pick last year, the first overall pick last year. They got the first pick this year. They got number nine this year. They also got D.J. Moore. They were so excited about Justin Fields, the alleged new king in the North. And as I've been saying for the last three years, Justin Fields sucks. So now the Bears are trying to... Everyone knows what they're going to do. They're not keeping Justin Fields. Everybody knows that. I mean, I got... We got Chicago sports radio host, Danny Parkins, one of the the big dogs over there at the score in Chicago, already has a Caleb Williams jersey. 
Now, that's a little presumptive, I think, considering that Jaden Daniels, the quarterback from LSU, is skyrocketing up boards. You still got Drake May right there. There's a lot of people questioning the leadership of Caleb Williams, I guess, after he cried in his mom's arms. And if you look at his stats against really good teams, he's kind of like Los Angeles' Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson put up great numbers against terrible teams when he was at BYU, got to the pros, and I think we all know Zach Wilson sucks. That's what Caleb Williams has kind of done at USC, even with Lincoln Riley as his head coach. Monster numbers against bottom-of-the-Pac-12 teams and non-conference teams, but against the big dogs in the in the, the Pac-12, the now-dead Pac-12, he didn't do so great. He didn't look great. And, I, and, and, and I've heard people say he's a workout warrior and he's first guy in, last guy out. I, I would, I'm not sold on Caleb Williams personally. But I do know that Justin Fields is gone in Chicago. All right? And the biggest story was his, this, this whole week, was his appearance on a podcast. Okay? He's on the St. Brown Brothers podcast. It's hosted by Amon Ra St. Brown, who plays for the Lions. And Equinemia St. Brown, his brother, who was a Packer and a Bear, and I don't know where he's going to play next year. He's a wide receiver four, wide receiver five on most teams. Aaron Rodgers made him look pretty good. And there were Packer fans who thought Equinemia St. Brown was part of the future. I'm not kidding you. But Justin Fields was a guest. And the biggest news story, like, here's the way podcasts generally work when they have a guest and they have something, something dripping with intrigue. They'll plan on releasing it on a Wednesday. Because I did this when I did a podcast, a weekly podcast. You plan on releasing it on whatever day it is. And you the, the key, listen to my future podcasters. By the way, if you're just thinking about starting a podcast now in 2024, you're really late to the game. You'd be podcast 7,432,000, all right? Eric Hosmer just retired from baseball. His plans are to start a production company and a podcast. I don't know how many more Host baseball player hosted podcast we need, but Haas is going to do it. Congrats on the retirement and joining the podcast world so late. But you generally do the interview or you have your conversation with your, your co-host or you are hosting it solo like I'm doing this show and you say something or somebody says something that's dripping with intrigue. You put that clip up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever your sites are that you promote your show. But at the very end, you cut it before the answer is given. And you say, new pod dropping tomorrow, noon, or whenever you schedule your podcast to drop. Well, on Tuesday, the St. Brown Brothers podcast tweeted out or the, the clip to the video. And I follow the guys. And it's about Justin Fields unfollowing the Chicago Bears on social media. Athletes do this all the time. All right. They do it for attention. They do it because they're unhappy. They do it because they want more money. So you see this, and they say, what's up with what's up with unfollowing the Chicago Bears? And Field says, I'm glad we're talking about it. Cut. So then for 24 hours, the momentum is building. Adam Schefter's tweeting it out. Ian Rappaport's tweeting it out. Everybody wants to know what the St. Brown Brothers podcast has to say from Justin Fields. Well, it drops on Wednesday, and this is the actual exchange about why Justin Fields on social media 
unfollowed the Chicago Bears. What's with the unfollow with the Bears? What's, what's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, what? But like, why are, you, why are you unfollowing the Bears? Like, I still mess with the Bears. It's not, I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Mm. Like, I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with her. That's true. That's true. That's facts. That's facts. Oh, so you're saying you mess with the Bears much more now that you don't follow them. Man, it's not even like that. Ah, okay, it's, okay. it's something that I don't want to see in my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no mm. football. And guess just, what? Just get away. Get a little away for a little bit. It's either Keith Fields. We want Fields to the draft Caleb. So it's like, bro, man, I'm tired of hearing the talk. I think my favorite line is, why do we take social media so serious? You're literally doing a podcast that gets put up on YouTube, which is social media. You have all of the all the social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else Fields uses. You have a team that manages your social media, I'm sure. Like I manage mine. I'm a I don't make 6 million dollars a year or whatever. I don't have endorsements like he's got for hundreds of thousands of dollars. But I know that dude's got a team. I know his agent Keeps a close eye on everything he puts up on social media. So it's a little weird, a little funny to hear Justin Fields say, why does everyone take social media so serious? But Justin Fields, I'll listen to 2% of that and believe it. He wants to go on vacation and not see everything. I I don't know if I totally believe that, but I'll listen to it. There's a difference between believing something you're hearing and listening to something that you're hearing. So I'll listen to that. All right, fine. That might be the case. But if you want to get away from the noise and the vacation is coming. Like I was in Mexico for a week. Phone was barely on. You barely, I I didn't post things, you know, 50 pictures a day. If you're on vacation and you want to break from it all, turn the phone off. All right. If you want your phone on, but you don't want to see all the stuff on social media, Pause your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, so you don't get notifications about your name popping up and the people that you follow. But don't tell me you're going on vacation and while you're on, you don't want to see stuff about the Bears and the NFL. All right? Because that's BS. I'll get to why that's really BS here in just a second. Because coming up, who does he follow? But I'll get to this one first. Uh, They did follow up with that, which is interesting. He said, you know, I just want this to happen. I want to know what's going on. It's keep fields, trade fields, whatever. Does he even want to be a Chicago bear? Do you want to stay in Chicago or what's up? Yeah, of course. Of course I want to stay. I can't see myself playing in another place, but if it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love right. the city. The city's lit. The The fans there, you know, they're great. Mm-hmm. And the people, it's a business. I ain't got no control over it. So whatever right. happens, happens. But I feel like the biggest thing with all this going on right now, I just want it to be over. Like, just let me know if I'm getting traded. Let me know if I'm staying. It's an act. Well, that decision is coming soon. Um, Albert Breer said the Bears are expected to have their quarterback plan finalized heading into the NFL Combine. And the Combine, I think, is next week. I believe that's the, the, the case. Breer said, in this case, I don't think you necessarily need the premium to move Justin Fields before the start of free agency. The reason why is because if you do wait till the end of March or beginning of April, whatever it is, there are going to be far fewer teams that have a quarterback opening. So they kind of got to get the things moving. I don't know what you get for Justin Fields at this point. You're not going to get, would you give up a first round pick for Justin Fields? I wouldn't. You watch him play. Doesn't process information great. Not the most accurate passer. 
tends to run real quick. Now, is that a product of Luke Getze and the Chicago Bears in the offense that it was? I, I don't know. But I will also go back to when he said, do you want to be a Bear? He said, you know, of course, I want to be here in Chicago. I love the city. It's lit. The city is lit. I want to know what else he's going to say. Do you want to be in Chicago? No. No, I don't. I want out of here. You don't say that. A, that'd be dumb. Chicago's a great city for a 23-year-old rich athlete. What a town. I mean, where would you rather be? If you're 23, the quarterback of an NFL team, rich, good-looking. I don't know if he's single or not, but Chicago or Jacksonville? Where would you rather be? Chicago or Buffalo? All right? Where would you rather be? You probably want to be in Chicago. It's a great town. There's nothing but nightlife if that's your thing. If you're not into nightlife, then maybe Jacksonville's your thing. Maybe Buffalo's your thing. I love the Green Bay Packers. But where would you rather be? Chicago or Green Bay? Now, I'm not saying there's nothing to do in Green Bay. It was just voted as one of the best places in America to live. All right? But if I'm a 23-year-old young, rich athlete and the face of a franchise, where would I rather be to have fun? And if, if women are my thing and partying is my thing, Krolls or what is the intersection there? They call it the Viagra Triangle. What is it? Uh, Russian Division. Russian Division, where all the bars and the clubs and the nightlife is at. With all due respect to my friends who are Packers fans, come on now, let's let's be real. Uh, who does Justin Fields follow on Instagram, on social media? I'll tell you next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Back just like that here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket talking about the biggest story in the National Football League this week. And it has to do with Instagram. It has to do with social media. Justin Fields unfollowing the Chicago Bears. We all know he's going to get traded. All right. By the way, uh, Ryan Poles. I'm sorry, Ryan Pace, the GM who drafted Fields, just so happens to work for the Atlanta Falcons. That's interesting, isn't it? Considering they're the favorite to land Justin Fields. He's from Georgia. They need a quarterback. Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke suck. Now, I don't know how much of an upgrade it really is to go from Heineke and Ritter to Fields. I know it's not a downgrade. It feels more like a lateral move. But here's what Justin Fields thinks about the Atlanta Falcons. You're from Georgia, right? Yeah, I'm from Georgia. What do you think about Atlanta? Like You like, you like Atlanta? Atlanta would be tough. The only con of going back home is just people hitting my phone crazy. Yeah. You know, wanting tickets to the game. But I mean, uh, yeah. I think I think they got a lot of play playmakers on the team. And um, of course, Bijan. They got my boy Kyle, and then of course Drake too. Um, they probably need one more receiver, but um, they definitely got some guys over there. And their defense was good this year they too. Had a good so. defense last year. Yeah, it's interesting too because you know. There have been teams that have been talking about Justin Fields. The Steelers were linked to Justin Fields. 
Obviously, the Atlanta Falcons were linked to Justin Fields. But if he doesn't follow the Bears, who does Justin Fields follow on social media? I follow Ohio State football. I don't follow the NFL. I don't follow the Bears. Bleacher like, Report. Bleacher, Bleacher Report. Report. It's basketball season. They're not posting nothing about football, dog. Mm. They're not posting nothing about football. I'll follow him back. Drake London. Drake London, my teammate. Oh. What's up with that? Oh. What you mean? What's up with that? I'll follow you. You know, you know Drake? Me. You don't follow me. But you know Drake? Um... I'll follow you after this, but nah, not for real. I mean, we played against them, you know, these past two years, but I don't know. Right. Like that. Mm. Drake London. Hmm. Happens to play for the Atlanta Falcons. Also this week, Justin Fields began following Falcons running back Bijan Robinson and Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts. Hmm. Very interesting. If you're a better and you look at the odds of you can bet some sites allow you to bet where Justin Fields will play or anybody will play. Like, for example, this morning I was looking at uh, one site and uh, the Bills, who knows what their future is with Stefan Diggs and the contract and moving things. And I got my Bills fan who's my neighbor, my next door neighbor, my buddy, John. Uh, he doesn't pay. We have this text thread, right? Like the guys and the football, we always talk junk. Mostly it's. Cowboy fan Shane, who gets the the brunt of it because it's easy to make fun of the Cowboys. And my friend Alex and I are Packers fans, and we, you know, we defend Green Bay and Jordan Love to the nth degree. And John's usually very quiet on the text thread until you mention the Bills. And then all of a sudden, bam, John comes out defending Josh Allen, going after McDermott, defending uh, Stephon Diggs. You can bet on whether or not Diggs will be playing for the Bills or his next team. And the odds-on favorite for, for Diggs' services next year are number one at plus 400, the Dallas Cowboys, plus 500, the Green Bay Packers. But you can bet on where Justin Fields is going to wind up. He went from plus 250 earlier this week to be in Chicago to minus 130. That's a huge swing, considering he's still property of the Chicago Bears, <laughs> and they've made no declaration about what they want. We don't know what the Falcons are going to be able to give up or the Steelers would give up or anybody to give up. You know, it's weird because in the offseason, we all think we know where guys are going to wind up. We always think this guy's going to go here, this guy's going to go here, and then all of a sudden, boom, something pops up and we're blown away. Or somebody shows up signing a contract that nobody was talking about because during this dead period, up until free agency, which starts in a couple of weeks, you're, you're all just sort of speculating. Like, this would be a really good fit, so therefore I'm going to make myself believe that this player would be a really good fit and is likely going to sign with this team, that team, or my team. Like, Stephon Diggs would fit great in Green Bay. Even though they don't need a, a wide receiver, they have so many good young ones, I can talk myself into saying, well, you know, Green Bay really does need a guy that can catch 80 balls and be a veteran presence. Digs to Green Bay. Like, you you have that. Like, you can do that with Atlanta. Because Atlanta, he's from Georgia. He follows all these guys with the Falcons. All that kind of, like, you're starting to envision what the offense for Atlanta would look like with Justin Fields, a quarterback, throwing to Drake London, handing the ball off to B. John Robinson, and throwing to Kyle Pitts. We all do it. We absolutely all do it. By the way, shout out to Amon Ross St. Brown and Equinemius St. Brown. It's the St. Brown Brothers podcast. That's where all that audio came from uh, for, for Justin Fields. I don't know if you saw, but the uh, moving on to the rest of the National Football League, it's kind of time for roulette to begin. And remember last offseason, there were a couple of big names in free agency 
and quarterbacks to get moved. The biggest fish, obviously, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. It happened the week of the NFL draft. So think about that. So wherever your favorite quarterback is that could get moved, whether it's Russell Wilson or Justin Fields or whomever that is still on a roster, I'm not talking about Kirk Cousins. I'm not talking about Ryan Tannehill. I'm not talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm talking about guys on rosters right now. The Packers didn't trade Rodgers to the Jets until A, he came out of the darkness, but B, the week of the draft. And I remember the day it happened because I was getting ready to go down to Kansas City four days later. I think it happened on a on a Monday or a Tuesday. And then boom. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, picks. If Rodgers plays X snaps, then the second round pick becomes the number one. We know what happened in that first game. We know Rodgers popped his Achilles four plays in. This year, the quarterbacks that could get moved, the list is not exactly going to blow your mind. Generally speaking, if you have a good quarterback, you want to keep that good quarterback, right? Fields might be the best quarterback available on the trade market right now. He could be. But if you if you if you trade for Justin Fields, in theory, you're signing Justin Fields to a three-year contract, right? Or at least a two-year deal, 30-year option, whatever, whatever, right? Like at his age, he's 23 years old. At some point, you would think that if you're going to acquire Fields, you're doing it for the long term. This isn't the Jets going for it for one year or two with Rodgers because that defense is loaded and there's all those weapons, right? With Fields... He's not a championship-caliber quarterback now. I don't think he ever will be. I think Justin Fields sucks. But if you think uh, Justin Fields is your future, you're talking about a three- or a four-year deal that you have on the table before you make any deal done with the Chicago Bears. I don't think that's the case with some of these other guys that are out there. I've gotten into heated debates with buddies of mine who think that Russell Wilson is absolutely washed. I don't think Russell Wilson is absolutely washed, but I don't think he's as good as he was three years ago in Seattle. I think he's somewhere in the middle. He is very much being connected to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which would make some sense. But is this Russell Wilson, the one we're watching right now, is he a major upgrade over Kenny Pickett? Granted, he's an upgrade. Because if Pickett's a five on the quarterback scale, maybe a Four on the quarterback scale. What's Russ? Six? Is a six good enough to win you with the NFC North when you're battling Burrow and Lamar and whatever Cleveland's going to do? Because Deshaun Watson sure doesn't look like the right guy. I don't know if they're going to bring back Joe Flacco. But is Russell Wilson at 35? Played better last year than he did the year before. Under what's his name, who's now the off, who's the offensive coordinator in in New York, but didn't didn't blow anybody away year one under Sean Payton, and so many people thought that that was going to work because it was like, oh, he's short just like Drew Brees, so it'll work. Not quite the same, not quite the same. But at thirty five years old, could Russell Wilson win eleven games in Pittsburgh? Ask yourself that question. Could you get? to the playoffs with Russell Wilson playing for his third team in three years. Do you think 
that that would work in Pittsburgh. You would have to pay, give up a lot, because Denver still owes a ton of money. He's not going to be in Denver coming up in 2024. We know that. But would he is, is Russell Wilson a guy that you can bank on getting your team to the playoffs? Kirk Cousins, also 35. I think he, I think most people believe Kirk's going to wind up back in Minnesota. Partially, he's familiar with the system. They loved him. After a slow start before he popped his Achilles, Kirk Cousins was really good. Really good. But are you going to trust a 35-year-old quarterback coming off Achilles surgery and a major Achilles injury? One thing playing into his favor, Justin Jefferson loves him. And if Justin Jefferson, who is up for a big new contract extension, if he has weight, if he has power, if he has pull, if he has swing, whatever you want to call it, if Justin Jefferson wants Kirk Cousins back, don't be surprised if Kirk Cousins comes back. Now, Cousins has stolen a lot of money in the National Football League. Over, I think, $200 million or close to in guaranteed. Like, that dude got some guaranteed money. Now, he put up some big numbers, won a playoff game. That's it. It's kind of all you got out of him. Would Cousins take any kind of discount going back to the Minnesota Vikings? My answer is usually no. Guys don't take discounts. Guys want as much money as they can get because when guys take get paid, it raises the bar for the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. You know, we look back at Patrick Mahomes' contract and he, you know, signed that 10-year, $450 million deal. Now he's added some extension to it, making a little bit more money. But if guys get paid here in the next few years, it is not out of the question to say this, that Patrick Mahomes will be the 13th highest paid quarterback in the National Football League. He could be making $10 million a year less than Dak Prescott. Jordan Love could be making more money based on where they're at extension-wise. Jordan Love could be making more money than Patrick Mahomes. In a few years, I've talked about this before, Dak's going to be making about 60 this year. Don't be surprised when Dak Prescott gets $60 million a year. Dak Prescott. What's C.J. Stroud's number going to be in three years when he is up for an extension? 80. Because 60 will become 65, will become 72, will become 80. We're not that far away from a quarterback making $100 million a year. He's probably playing somewhere in the SEC or the Big Ten or the Big 12 right now. But they will be making $100 million a year in less than 10 years, closer to five. Because it wasn't too long ago, $20 million a year was a lot for a quarterback. $20 million doesn't buy you a starting quarterback unless they're on a rookie contract. But Love is going to get 50, if not more. Dak is going to get 60. Think about what Baker Mayfield's about to get with Tampa. He's probably looking at 45 a year. I'm not kidding when I say these numbers are getting astronomical. The cap keeps getting bigger. So the percentage of that salary cap going to the quarterbacks is staying about the same. But because the number of of, of dollars they can spend on the roster keeps going up, so does the amount that can be paid to these quarterbacks. And Patrick Mahomes, who's the best in the league, isn't going to sniff the top of the pay scale. Other guys you can be looking at, by the way, quarterback-wise, 
Young guy, Sam Howell. You know the commanders are going to take a quarterback at two. Desmond Ritter sucks. Let me throw that piece of paper out. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo suspended two games, 32. If anybody pays him or Ryan Tannehill, you are crazy. Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Tyrod Taylor, Josh Dobbs. You want any of those guys on your team? You want any of those guys? Probably not. I don't think so. All right. Still to come, Paul Feinbaum celebrating. And college football fans, you can rejoice for two years. I'll explain next. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Happy Friday to you. Uh, Kira, I don't know if I told you this, but over on uh, Laser, I mean, you know, we've been doing our food drive, The Walking Fed, to raise money for the Food Bank of Iowa. Uh, If you would like to help out Hungry Iowans, please text the word FED, F-E-D, to 43414. We will bounce a link back to you. If you have a $5 donation, you can link your bank, your credit card, your Venmo, your PayPal, whatever. $10 goes a long way. You can feed a kid for a weekend for 2 bucks. all right? You can feed a family for like four days on $20. Food Bank of Iowa needs your help more than ever. There have been some political decisions made in this state that have taken uh, free and reduced food away from kids, which sucks. So now, normally you say this with every drive, whatever you're doing, food drive, blood drive, coat drive, toy drive, whatever. The demand is higher now than it's ever been before. But it is true this year because of decisions made politically in this state. So if you could help, please text the word FED, F-E-D, to 43414. We're trying to hit twenty grand. Uh, raised. We had a goal today of 8,000, and my mom is watching on the Facebook feed right now, and I don't know if she knows this or not. She did call me right before we came on the air, left me a voicemail. My voicemail actually says, hi, you've reached Mike Wicket. Don't leave me a voicemail. I hate checking voicemail. It, I, I hate it, but my mom did. I don't know what it's about. I sent her a text. She never responded. Hi, mom, if you're watching. Uh, the goal today was to hit $8,000, and we nailed it. And because we crossed the $8,000 threshold, Coming up Monday morning, my co-host Heather is going to shave my head. I said, if we can get to eight grand by Friday, week one. We've never done this well week one during the the walking fed. So come Monday, this is what you're going to see, Kira. This is it. All of it's going. I mean, good news is I won't have any gray hair. (laughs) Okay, but here's the real question. Is it just the head or are you going to shave your face too to match i mean i could how weird would that look i look like andy hall actually <laughs> he's got the cue ball on top and the beard down low we're also shaving andy's beard which i've never seen shaved in my life because i didn't start work andy last shaved in 2021 i was hired after that like well after it had grown back so we're shaving andy's beard and the sideburns so he's going to be completely he's already bald on top uh i'm going to be bald on top starting monday listen if it gets if it gets Iowans fed, it's worth it. I don't. If one kid can have a breakfast because people decided to donate and my head got shaved, cool. We're doing waxing later in the week, too. We'll get to that. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Wicket, and on Instagram, and there will be plenty, plenty of pictures. Facebook, of course, our sister station, Laser 103.3. Okay, uh, I mentioned uh, earlier in the show that if you were upset that you couldn't watch the Dolphins-Chiefs playoff game because it was on Peacock, 
Also, if you couldn't watch last night's uh, Iowa game or you couldn't watch the record-breaking game because it was on Peacock from Caitlin Clark, I hope you won't be too upset because Amazon Prime is going to get an NFL playoff game coming up next year. Peacock was the first to do it. NBC paid $110 million for that one game. I sure hope they got a lot of $6 signups, and I sure hope those people didn't cancel immediately. But yes, a $6 sign-up for a trial for a month is what you had to do if you wanted to watch that playoff game or if you wanted to watch Caitlin Clark break the record. But that deal was for one year. And Amazon, as part of their Thursday night package, now most Thursday night games suck. You get Al Michaels complaining about how bad the games are on Thursday nights, which is hilarious. But as part of their deal, they're opting in to a playoff game coming up next year. Smart of Amazon to wait and see the backlash from Peacock first. Like, now there's a way. If there's a way between now and the time that that playoff game kicks off next January, I feel like Amazon's going to have to try to spin it. But it was smart to let Peacock go in, get all the ire of football fans. I know a lot of Chiefs fans that were angry. They couldn't watch that playoff game. They didn't have Peacock. I don't have Peacock either, yet you can find games on the internet. Let's just put it that way. But when it comes to the the, the Amazon Prime game, they're pro- there's got to be a way that they're going to be like, for two bucks, or if you order, if you subscribe to Prime now, we'll give it to you for a year. So they'll figure out a way. Bezos' crew is smart enough to make it friendly. Uh, it'll be the only way you'll be able to see one of these playoff games coming up next year. So NBC will get two games on regular NBC. CBS will get one. Fox will get one. ESPN will get one. And Amazon Prime will get the other one. So that's your wild card weekend next year after the playoffs uh, begin in the National Football League. I won't be upset because I have Prime. Selfishly, I don't care. This doesn't affect me. Prime will never go away in my house. I don't know what they can possibly do to price me out, but Amazon Prime will never not be a thing. I got four things in my Amazon cart right now. (laughs) All right. Yeah, Prime's part of my life. Uh, Part of your life coming up this college football season, it's going to feel very weird, okay? And I, I like and I don't like the 12-team playoff. Now, from a positive standpoint, I think we all are sick of the mostly, up until this year, the same four teams are what we're talking about. We're always talking about Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, right? Like, But this year you had Michigan get in. They won the whole thing. Washington got in. There was huge conversation. Should Washington have, or should uh, Alabama have been in? Should Georgia have been in? What about Florida State? Well, this year, you get 12 teams in. It's the 5 plus 7 playoffs uh, coming your way for two years. That's it. More on that in a second. So the way this is going to work, the top four college football conference champions get in. Check that. The top five college football conference champions get in. Big 10, SEC, ACC, Big 12, and then whoever's left from the little guys. Maybe it's the Mountain West. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's the MAC. Who knows? You know who doesn't get in? Guaranteed as a top five spot. Those top four teams get a bye, by the way, into the next round. Notre Dame. Not part of this because they're an independent. So Notre Dame could be 13-0 and or 12-0, and however many games they're playing this year. Notre Dame could be 12-0. and And the best they can be is the six seed. 
which means they're going to have to go on the road and play a, a, a playoff game. Maybe they'll host. I don't know how that works. But they have to play a playoff game. In fact, if they want to win the national championship, they have to win four, which is incredible. So it's the five conference championships and then the next seven at large. Now, does this solve everything? Mm, no. But listen to ESPN's Paul Feinbaum. Dude loves college football more than almost anybody on the planet. Finally, a good day for college football. There have been so many bad ones lately, but the idea that college football has finally gotten its act together is reason to celebrate. There are still flaws with the system. There are always going to be flaws when you allow committees to choose. The fact that Notre Dame could be the number one team in the country and be seated fifth, that's a problem. But for the most part, seven at-larges is a very good day because School, uh, conferences like the SEC, the Big Ten, can get more than that one, maybe two that we've seen occasionally, especially from the SEC and the Big Ten. So overall, criticism, yes. Celebration, yes. Good day for college football. By the way, finally a good day for college football. It's a billion-dollar industry. Finally a good day. The Big Ten's media deal is like $100 million. Finally a good day for college football. ESPN, SC, the SEC, the Big Ten, we're talking about billions of dollars. I don't want to hear, finally, it's a good day for college football. I digress. Here's why I don't like the 12-team college football playoff. If you're a fan of the Big Ten, you like the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, right? They could play the game, end of the year, let's say Michigan's one, Ohio State's two. They can play. They're going to meet again in the Big Ten championship game because there's no divisions this year. Cool. Let's say one team wins the first, one team wins the second. They're both probably going to get in the 12-team college football playoff. So now those first two games, did they even matter? I get it. It gets the 10, 12 best teams into the playoffs. It feels more like the NFL. But the beauty of college football is how every game in September, every game in October, and really every game in November matters. You can't lose in November most of the time. You can't lose in November and still get in the college football playoff the way it used to be. Now you can probably do it. And we're going to be arguing not about teams 4, 5, and 6, now we're going to be arguing about, you know, who's going to get in at 12. Does two loss Penn State or does two loss Texas get in? That's the debate. Same thing, just backed up a few more spots. I see the good in the 12-team playoff, and I see some bad in the 12-team playoff. And then I read this. We haven't even got to the 12-team playoff, and they are already discussing a 14-team college football playoff. It's ridiculous. But you know why? Money. It always comes back to money. You have all these teams joining the Big Ten. You got all these teams joining the SEC. You've got 18 in the Big Ten, if that math is right. I think 18, yeah, 14, whatever. You've got all these other teams that are now in the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma bolting to the SEC. These schools feel like they should have more representation in the playoff. And if you are trying to shoehorn two three, God forbid, four Big Ten teams or SEC teams into a 12-team playoff, there's not going to be a ton of room. That is why already we are now looking at a 14-team college football playoff, most likely beginning in 2026. So enjoy the 12-team playoff if you've been banging the drum for the 12-team playoff for years like most of us have. That is it. We are out of here. Enjoy fake spring here in central Iowa. 
It's going to be 72 on Monday. It's going to be 55 tomorrow, and it's going to be 65 on Sunday. Get outside. Go ride bikes with your kids. That's what I'm going to do. Bottom all bikes this week. Training wheels for all. My name is Mike Wicked. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Talk to you next week.